You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad, and this time of the year, the Irish try to put a foot down in all the locations where they're expanding the footprint in the global presence. And the policy of the Irish government over the last number of years was to try to expand the Irish footprint. And that included the establishment of a consulate in Vancouver, and there's coming one that's coming to Toronto and Montreal in the near future. And at this time of the year, it's also the time when the Irish government make an effort to try and build bridges both economically and politically across the globe. And the ministers travel out and to all sectors of the world to build those bridges. And I'm honoured to have Minister um, Michael McGrath with me here. And uh, he's a Cork man. And I know as often as the case, the Cork man considered they're a Cork man before they're an Irish man, but we won't <laughs> go, in. We go in. Minister, thanks a million for taking the time on a busy schedule. Not at all, Austin. It's a real pleasure. Delighted to have a chat with you. And I just want to commend you for all of the work that you do and uh, in keeping the station going and being a voice for uh, all things Ireland uh, across Canada. It's invaluable uh, to us as a government and to the Irish diaspora uh, right across this country. So thank you for everything you do. Good morning. Um, Minister, the first thing I want to cover is, uh, it was a comment that was made recently um, about the, um, there's a book out there, the wonderful, hundred wonderful best things about Ireland, and it's all great stuff. And the guy, I did an interview with him, but I hear a lot on the Irish media, and they haven't got a good word to say about you guys coming across the ocean to do what you're doing at this time of the year. And I responded to it and said that a lot of times they don't get it, how valuable it is, the effort. And the other thing I commented upon was, I'd hate to have your schedule because I know there's somebody <laughs> right beside you at the moment watching the clock and there you is. are going to be wheeled out of here into somewhere else and everything is so tightly scheduled that yeah. you'll be glad to get home and put your head in the pillow. And I don't think there's an appreciation for that in Ireland. Yeah, look, we we do get some grief, but really it's only on social media, to be honest with you, Austin, the the vast majority of the, the public, I think, do have an appreciation of the importance of these visits. And like we haven't been able to do it for the last couple of years. So the last time that an Irish minister was here in Vancouver was 2019. And so the, the COVID had a real impact. And it's very important for uh, the Irish community to see that a government representative uh, has come over and is meeting with them and listening to them uh, and explaining what we're doing in Ireland uh, and just trying to develop the relationship further. So uh, it is a busy schedule. I was in San Francisco for a few days, for three days, and then uh, up here to Vancouver. And it's a short visit here, but a packed schedule. Um, Frank and Adam and the team here at the Consulate Office have done a great job in pulling together a fantastic programme. And already we've had a number of excellent events that have been very well attended and I can see that it means a lot to people uh, that there is a minister here on behalf of the government uh, and people are very keen to, to chat and very keen to engage and I'm getting messages from mammies at home saying you know my Johnny is out in Vancouver he'd love to say hello to you so it's a, it's, it's a great experience and I do really appreciate the importance and the value of it it's my first trip uh, on St. Patrick's Day as a minister because I only came into government in, in 2020, Austin, and, um, you know, we we didn't do it last year, as you know. Uh, so this is the first year that I've had the opportunity to do, to do it, and it's a fantastic experience, and I will at, at any time defend uh, the value and the importance of doing this on behalf of the country. 
as a result of these trips and the relationships that are built, there's a lot now of trade that has grown over the last number of years between Canada and Ireland. And yeah. I know that CETA has helped that also. But the extension of the footprint has greatly helped. Canadian companies recognize the value of locating in Ireland. And um, you must, in some of the people you've met over this trip, it has helped strengthen that relationship, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think it has. And we've just completed a meeting here uh, earlier on this morning involving the IDA and TELUS International, uh, who are a very large corporate, as you know, and who already employ about 2,300 people in Ireland, uh, in Cork, um, where I'm based myself, in Dublin and in Ballina. And they recently announced a further 300 jobs. They are the IDA's uh, largest client uh, in uh, Canada. And it's fantastic to have an opportunity to engage with them. And, and like they really appreciated the opportunity to sit down uh, with myself and my colleagues here this morning in Vancouver. And we had a great chat about you know challenges, opportunities. But that kind of communication is just so important. And we have a small IDA presence in Canada, as you know, based in uh, Toronto. And they do a, a remarkable job for a relatively small investment. And we now have about 8,300 people employed in Ireland by Canadian companies, and it has grown significantly in the last number of years. And what people probably know even less about is the investment by Irish companies Mm -hmm. in Canada. Irish companies here now, we estimate, employ over 7,000 people in Canada. And I think there's huge potential to develop those trade links even further, uh, because we have a lot in common. And I think the Canadian companies who've invested in Ireland have had a really positive experience. And I heard much of that this morning from uh, TELUS International. So um, a lot of work, I think, that we can do uh, to uh, exploit the potential that is undoubtedly there. Um, Minister, I know you're responsible for the National Development Plan. And um, we've come through two years of COVID. There's political unrest in Eastern Europe um, that has an economic impact. Uh, So... The long-term impact and how you look to the future, given the disruption that has happened, must cause you some degree of concern. Well, I think it's important to say that the, the Irish economy has re- responded very strongly uh, after COVID and the rebound has been uh, among the best in Europe. Uh, Ireland is now among the fastest growing economies in Europe. We actually have exceeded the level of employment pre-pandemic, so two and a half million people and are working in Ireland. Uh, thankfully, the deficit has reduced faster uh, than we would have expected. We're experiencing very strong growth, and the investment pipeline is positive. But there are challenges, Austin. There will always will be, and we're having to deal with those. There's a lot of uncertainty uh, in the international environment at the moment. Um, obviously, the war in Ukraine is having an impact, and our first uh, instinct and our first response on that issue is to support Ukrainian people. We've received over 7,000 Ukrainian refugees have arrived into Ireland already. I'm happy to talk about that a little bit more if you wish. But your question was on the economy and the war in Ukraine will have an impact on the economy. The OECD has estimated in the last day or so that it will probably knock about 1% off global growth and will add perhaps 2.5% to inflation. So in Ireland at the moment, just like here in Canada, one of the real pressure points is in energy prices uh, you may have heard that um, uh, the cost of electricity and the cost of mm-hmm. gas, one provider has increased 
by between 30 and 40 percent in the last number of days in Ireland. So it is hurting people mm-hmm. and it is hurting businesses. So inflation uh, is a concern. We don't know how long it's going to be as high as it is. Um, uh, the forecast would have been that it would moderate across this year, but now nobody is quite so sure. So that does place pressure on people. Um, but we, we are confident overall that the economy in Ireland uh, will continue to recover and is in a growth phase. But we do have to uh, work through those inflation pressures uh, that are having a real impact at the moment. And Ireland, as you know, is such a small and open trading economy that really depends on exports of our goods and services. And so anything that dents the global economy uh, has a negative impact uh, on Ireland. But overall, we're well positioned and uh, we will certainly get through this and we do everything we possibly can to support the Ukrainian people at this time. So, Minister, on that, on the political side, with I, uh, Ireland being on the Security Council at the moment, uh, Ireland is in a very uh, strategic position at this time in such a, a crisis. Uh, how do you see that Ireland can leverage its influence and uh, the position that it does have? Yeah, we're in a very fortunate position to um, have been elected to the UN Security Council. It puts us really in a privileged uh, position in terms of international diplomacy. Uh, I think we are using that to maximum effect. Uh, we have been to the fore in advocating for the strongest possible sanctions against Russia. And Ireland has led the way in Europe uh, on that front in the arguments that we have put forward. And we've acted in consort with our European partners. And I think the sanctions are having an effect. I think they are hurting the Russian economy very significantly. And uh, we have, as I said, welcomed over 7,000 refugees so far. And we're providing accommodation to those that need it. We're providing a social security number immediately to them. We're setting them up in the social welfare system and making payments. We're providing health screening for them if they need education. And many children, of course, are coming with their mums. They're going to school in Ireland immediately. And those who want to work, um, the adults who come here, and it is predominantly women at the moment, uh, they're being given the opportunity to work. So the response from Irish people generally has been truly extraordinary in its generosity, though it's no surprise, I think, to any of us. Uh, We partnered with the Red Cross in setting up an online portal for Irish people to offer accommodation. And I think it's well over 20,000, the number of offers of accommodation that have been made uh, by people so far. So we're playing our part both domestically and internationally uh, to do what we can uh, to bring about an end to this war. And it's just shocking, Austin, to see uh, on our television screens, uh, what is playing out, you know, scenes that I think we all hoped and believed belonged to a bygone era. But, I mean, it's now estimated that over 3 million Ukrainians have fled the country as refugees in the last three uh, and a bit weeks, which is the single largest movement of people in Europe since World War Two. So that's the scale of what we're dealing with in Europe. And it is a humanitarian crisis, first and foremost, and that is what we are trying to respond to in as generous a way as we possibly can as a country, of course, that has you know, experience of being uh, ruled by a country against our will. Minister, was the Irish government in any way surprised at being singled out for criticism by Russia uh, at being at the forefront? Uh, or would you think that it may have been politically motivated because of our position on the Security Council? 
I think the comments that are made back in Russia are on Russian media by, you know, ambassadors and other diplomats and representatives of the Putin regime have to be seen through that prism. They are a message for the domestic audience. Um, but in, the Irish position has been clear. I mean, we are militarily neutral uh, and will remain so, but we're not politically neutral and we're not neutral in respect of the um, atrocities that are being perpetrated on the people of Ukraine at this point in time. Uh, we condemn those atrocities. Uh, the invasion of Ukraine is morally uh, unjustifiable. Uh, it is reprehensible and it must come to an end. And we make no apologies for taking a strong stance in that respect. But when it comes to sanctions, we have moved in lockstep with our European partners. Ireland has not taken unilateral action. Uh, all of the measures implemented in Ireland are being done on a partnership with our European uh, allies uh, and partners in the European Union. And so, look, those comments are not really a surprise. We take them with a pinch of salt, to be honest. Uh, we have no uh, axe to grind with the ordinary people of Russia at all, many of whom are you know, vehemently opposed to this war. But unfortunately for them, they live in a country uh, where they do not have freedom of speech. They do not have the right to protest without risk of being arrested. Uh, you know, so the values that we have as a democratic country, free speech, a free media, a country that believes in human rights and a multilateral uh, system of rules internationally, those are values that we hold dearly. And unfortunately, uh, the Russian people uh, do not enjoy the same freedoms that we do at this time. Minister, in a global economy, efforts are always made to create bilateral trading arrangements. So over the last number of years, was there much growth in bilateral trade between Russia and Ireland? And as a result of sanctions and as a result of the current situation, does it expose the Irish economy to any uh, deficiencies or weaknesses uh, as a result of imposing sanctions? The exposure really is indirect, but it is not insignificant. The amount of direct trade between Ireland and Russia and Ireland and the Ukraine uh, is quite modest. But of course, there are wider impacts on the economy and impacts on the supply of energy and on energy costs. And also in relation to other materials that are supplied by Russia and Ukraine, whether it be grain and wheat uh, or indeed fertilizer from Russia, uh, the cost of which has also increased quite substantially and it's having a real impact on farmers uh, back in Ireland. And then any disruption to the European economy has an impact on Ireland. So the impacts are not really uh, grounded in our direct trading relationship, uh, but in the wider economic impact, uh, and particularly in the energy space and around um, the inflation that has been triggered as a, as a result of this. So uh, we think it could be significant for Ireland and uh, we will manage our way through it, um, but you know we cannot um, make a, an economic calculation and in some way have that uh, shape our, our humanitarian response and our political response. I think we have to adopt a clear position on this issue, and we have done so without fear or favour, but there will be consequences. There is a price for everyone from this war, uh, including uh, on Ireland and on our people. Uh, that is deeply unfortunate. It's not of our making. The government has made interventions to try to support people. We made an intervention just last week to cut um, excise duty on petrol and diesel at the four courts because just like here in Canada, 
uh, the cost has gone up very much in Ireland uh, and that is really hurting people and hurting businesses and hauliers and farmers and so on. Uh, and we also just a few weeks ago introduced uh, a package of a half a billion euro where we're giving 200 euro, for example, to every single um, family or individual in Ireland with an electricity account uh, just to try and help them to work through uh, this period of high inflation. So um, there is a cost. It is hurting people. We're doing all that we can to help. But we've also been honest with people, Austin, to say that we cannot fully insulate Ireland and the Irish economy from the effects of uh, of the war in Ukraine. Is there any truth then, Minister, that the West Cork Fishermen's Association is going to be used as mediators? <laughs> um, I'm not sure there's any truth in that. But uh, I think they have established their credentials as uh, negotiators and, and advocates. And they did meet the Russian ambassador uh, in Dublin, as you know, when uh, Russia announced that it was going to conduct uh, major military exercises uh, off the southwest coast of, of Ireland and in our exclusive economic zone. And thanks to uh, a considerable amount of diplomatic and political pressure, uh, and also, uh, I would, of course, give credit to uh, the West Cork fishermen in particular. Um, the Russians did uh, announce uh, a change and they conducted the military exercises, but further out and outside our exclusive economic zone. But like that issue really was, I think, a, a, an attempt by the Russians to uh, intimidate and to send a signal to Western Europe. They were flexing their muscles militarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think was the purpose of what they were doing and um, the West Cork fishermen I think showed their resolve as you know they said that they were going to go out there and uh, continue fishing and they were going to protest um, uh, adjacent to these military exercises but uh, thankfully that wasn't necessary in the end because the Russian government did uh, change uh, policy. So Minister um, given that we are opening up and Ireland is opening up travel and tourism a very important part of the um, Irish economy and the development plan that would be in place, I'm sure, is somewhat dependent on revenues from it as well. You must be delighted to see that the direct flights are being reinstated and um, it's possible now to land in Ireland without having to go into quarantine, etc. Exactly. It's really positive. And I think there is um, a real desire and a hunger now to get back traveling again. And one of the purposes of my uh, visit to San Francisco and here to Vancouver is to send out the message that Ireland is open, Ireland is welcoming, and Ireland's open both for business uh, and for tourists as well. And you know the visits by Americans and by Canadians to Ireland is so important for our economy. And as you well know, Austin, in particular for the regions and for the tourist hotspots in Ireland, tourists have been sadly missed. Uh, in the last couple of years. So we are going to welcome them with open arms. It could be a cave meal of fall uh, all over Ireland. And, you know, we have fantastic hotels now, um, great tourist uh, amenities and services uh, all over the country. And it's great to see the air connectivity being reinstated. Like for us as an island nation, it is of such strategic importance. And it was a pleasure coming in through Vancouver Airport um, here yesterday and speaking to the staff and they're really excited about the uh, increase in passenger footfall and uh, the re-establishment of those connections again. Uh, So uh, hopefully 2022 will be a very positive year and we'll see a resumption of inbound tourism uh, to Ireland from both the USA and from Canada.
Minister, I'm very conscious of your schedule and I don't want to tell you any more time than is, you have. And I really do appreciate you taking the time to share with us and wish every success on the remainder of your trip. Thank you very much, Austin. Real pleasure to have a chat with you and keep up the good work and hopefully I'll get to catch up with you again soon. Down there, I'll have to get a rebel passport for down there, won't I? We'll sort that out if you don't worry. <laughs>